you had to measure uh, how tall your child was and your ruler uh, was 13 inches, you wouldn't have the right measurement. And I think we're using a standard that's incorrect, and the Lord wants to give us a new standard. You hear what I'm saying to you? He's, he's got something new He's wanting to do. And, um, and so we need to open ourselves up to the Lord for Him to speak to us in a fresh way and a new way and how we begin to perceive things um, and perceive what He wants us to do. Because the Lord really does have a different standard than what we've, we've had. In, in the, you know, the standard in the past spiritually was a great standard, but if the Lord's not using that standard any... You know, the Old Testament was a great... It was great what God did, but there came a day when that was over with. A new standard came on the scene. And you know what? The real truth is this. It was great while Jesus was here on the earth, but that day came to an end. You know what I'm saying? It was a new day. And it was a great time in Jerusalem for several years. The Lord was moving, but that came to an end. And the Lord did something new and something fresh and and I believe the Lord is trying to speak to us and get us to really see that this, we're living in a, in a new spiritual season. And what the standard is for this season is not what it was yesteryear. And if we keep living our lives and judging our lives and judging what we're supposed to do based on what happened yesterday and what God did yesterday, we would be like the people stuck back in Jerusalem, you know, when the Lord was moving down, down the road, you know, and He was moving out and we were stuck back in something old and something God did. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's really the heart of the Lord, and we've had a great time. I, I have. Some, I guess some of the others. The last couple of weeks we've heard three great speakers. Uh, one of them was Heidi Baker a week and a half or so ago. Had the greatest message I ever heard on the Jericho Road. It was just beyond... Uh, you know, I don't know who ever hear a better message on that this side of heaven, honestly. It was powerful. And just a tremendous thing that the Lord used that woman and their ministry in. I mean, uh, she probably really is a true apostle for today. And she's a woman, and she, <laughs> she's got more authority on what she says than probably a hundred men preachers put together. And that's the truth. Uh, Arthur Burt. Arthur Burt came here Wednesday night. You know, a lot of people got different things out of Arthur, but it was his last time he was here. And the last story he told was the first story I ever heard him, heard him tell, uh, which is about judging people and just about making judgments. And, and really, I felt like that was sort of the, really was the end of an era. We've been hearing Arthur for 30 years, and God used him powerfully. Arthur had authority on what he did. That's why... He was so effective. There's a lot of Arthur wannabes that sort of hang around with him, but they have zero authority in what they're doing. I mean, that's the real truth. I've heard Sarah on this. No authority. They're trying to preach his message, and there's no. It's just like, forget it, man. Get, give it up. Uh, but I feel like that he, uh, you know, he's he suffered. He's had four strokes. His last stroke. He's basically told me uh, that really he feels like all his revelation that God's given, he can't. It's robbed of him. He just doesn't feel like he can connect with it. Uh, but I really feel like the Lord really used him in a big way in our lives. and So that was a real blessing to really hear him for the last time, spend some time talking with him. And um, He's 95, so you know, he's, he's, he's uh, finishing his course. It's awesome. And then Friday night, Bob Jones. True, uh, again, Bob talked about some very embryonic things about the the next, uh, the election that's coming up in two years. He's talking about the presidential election and some things that he believes the Lord's beginning to reveal. And he was sort of show, sharing the real very beginnings. You know, he, the Lord revealed to him about uh, George Bush uh, before George Bush became president. The Lord revealed to him how he was, who was going to elect him. Uh, so he does get a lot of great things like that. But he has a stern uh, warning uh, to us about the next two years in this country are very critical for us. Uh, that he feels like the Lord really is uh, shouting to our country right now to stop it. It's time. It's time for this country to stop doing what it was doing. And uh, so it's sort of like, woo, like what are we supposed to do, Arthur? And he said, we need to pray. Bob, yeah, I get them all mixed up because it's the Holy Spirit and all of them. There, I just bring a different thing, but 
you know, pray and repent ourselves. And the church really needs to really, you know, not be worldly. I guess is sort of his bottom bottom line on that. But abortion, he was, you know, like what, 47 million murdered short. And he was saying, look, practical, from a practical standpoint, that means you've got 47 million people who are not working, who are not paying into Social Security, who cannot be used in military service. It is, it is hurting our nation. It's hurting. He, you know, I never thought about that. But So, you know, he brought some real serious stuff. And, of course, Bob is supernatural beyond measure. <laughs> I mean, I, he's got some tremendous, you know, giftings. But those were like three, like, boom, 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 you know, like get, get punched three times in a row, like, oh, Lord. But um, so let me just share this with you. I was really asking... It's great when the Lord speaks lots of things to you. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? What are you, I mean, you know, you got. So I was really asking the Lord this morning, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to share today, Lord, because I actually had about four great messages the Lord gave me, you know. And so and I say they're great because they're great because God gave them. I'm not saying I can greatly say them, but I'm saying they're great. If anything God gives you is great. I don't care what it is. And you need to believe that about yourself. Whatever God gives you. If God gave it to you, it's got to be good, right? Amen. So... But this is what I wanted to share this morning. This is what I concluded on. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So um, this is really what we've tried to do, okay, intentionally. We've really felt the Lord speak to us through different ways to emphasize the kingdom of God, Okay. And so that's what we've done this year, is we've really tried to really put a focus on all our preaching and teaching, to have it come from a kingdom of God perspective, which means we haven't really done a whole lot of teaching on things like how to help the Christian do good or how to help the Christian, you know, directly. Cause, so, you, you know, as a, as a pastor, those are the things you feel. You try to sense what the church needs, and you try to go with that. And so... But I, we felt like the Lord said, this is, this is what I want to talk about. This is what's on my heart. So no matter what the people feel like they need, if God says it's on His heart, it's got to be the best thing for us. And uh, one of the things was, if you remember, if you were around, if you're not, back at the first of the year, Matthew read a, a prophecy given by Dutch Sheets. And, he, and the name of the prophecy was the shift of 2006. And he shared many things of what he felt like the Lord uh, wanted to do in 2006. And recently, when Congressman Foley was exposed for being a, a homosexual and trying to have uh, relationships with 15, 16, 17-year-old pages, or however old they are, they're young guys, um, I remember one of the words that Dutch had. He said, this year the Lord will begin to expose corruption in the United States government. And it just like, whoa, Lord, you know, this is really serious what God's doing. And that God is beginning to shake our government. Uh, and our government needs to be shaken. And one of the things that Bob said that several of the people that the Republican Party really wanted to promote in the next couple of years, they're not going to be able to because the dirt has been discovered on these people. That they're, you know, so there's a lot of exposure that's going on that was really not even come to light. Uh, that's probably not going to be. It's in other words, they're, they're going to just say, forget this guy. He's been caught you know, before he ever got in the door, which is better. We want them caught before they get in there. We want people who are going to run for public office, we want them to get caught if they're living uh, something opposite of what they're declaring. So I think that's an awesome thing the Lord's doing, but it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing what He's doing with our government. But our government needs to be purged of, of perversion and corruption. And I really want to thank the Lord for doing that. But uh, some of the other words uh, that Dutch had was this would be the year that the kingdom of God would be preached in the church. And um, when I read that, cause, because the Lord had already been speaking to us, and I'll share a couple of things he had said earlier than that. When I read that, I knew that was a word like an invitation. You see, we can't expose corruption in the government. I can't do that. Now, you know, that's not a person in this room unless you have some inside information you can make public. But there are uh, people who can, and God uses those people. And God used those people. Those people made a choice to do something, whether they realized they were cooperating with the Lord or not. 
But we, when, many times when the Lord gives a word like, I want this year, I want the church to focus, the church is going to focus on the kingdom, it's an invitation, will you focus on the kingdom? In other words, we can become a fulfillment of that word if we will agree with the Lord that, yes, Lord, that's what we need to do. So we made a, we made a conscious decision in our church to agree with that word, uh, to see the, Lord, the word of the Lord fulfilled um, you know, in us. And so um, uh, let's put Ephesians 3.10 up there, Brian. This was the word that the Lord gave us uh, last year in October, I think. We went on a le- the leader's retreat. Got to go on a leader's retreat. <laughs> you know? so, but it was really great. Uh, it says, to the intent that now, everybody say now. And that was the word, the now part of that. It was really what the Lord emphasized. And I knew that was the Lord speaking. Actually, it came through Don Casperson. I knew when he said it, I thought, that's God. You know, sometimes you hear somebody say something and you hear God on, on it and you're like, oh, okay, that's the Lord. We're going with that. Now's the time. Okay, now is the time. And, and that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. In other words, it's, it's the same thing. That God wants to begin to reveal the kingdom of heaven. God wants to re- begin to reveal, you know, what He has, His heart. And He's looking for people who will agree with Him on it. And so we really felt the Lord was saying to us that ne- the Lord wants us to begin to pursue the, the things that God's got on His heart, the spiritual realm, the heavenly places, the kingdom of heaven. And that's sort of what we... Chuck, y'all cold? Some, I see some people bundled up out there. Huh? I might fix the air conditioner. Everybody's cold. I'm, I'm feeling good, but, I'm, you know. So, um, I believe the Lord wants to, the church to make known His kingdom. Okay, that's what I'm saying to you. That's really the now. Now's time for us to begin to do that. And, you know, the thing that we have to do is, is we have to see this, is Jesus, that was His message. He preached the kingdom. And that's what we've been trying to do, you know, I don't know how well we've done it, but we've tried to preach the kingdom. But here's the ultimate bottom line. Jesus didn't just preach the kingdom. He demonstrated it. You hear what I'm saying to you? It wasn't just a talking. And see, ultimately, the way we got to look at what we're doing is are we doing what we're saying? And, and see, that's what the Lord's brought to me is, Byron, are you doing what you're saying? That was one of the things He got to me with the Heidi Baker thing. You know, is... Are you doing what, you know, because one of the things I think she said, I can't remember her really, and she says that humility has no bottom. Grace is endless. And to get endless grace, you need to be endlessly humbling yourself. You need to constantly be going down. Did she, I don't know if she said that or not. I think she did. I mean, somehow in my mind I got that Heidi Baker said that, and it was profound to me, like, oh. Because I think many of us, and I've been one of them, Lord, we've gone through the broken season in our life. We've been broken by the Lord. And we've been humbled by the Lord, and the Lord's dealt with us. We thought, well, that's great, and we needed that. But the Lord said, no, you need more, Byron. You haven't reached it. You need to go lower. You know, you know. And I know she said this, is that ministry is, in every, uh, is, is a continual step down. It's a continual going down. And I know that's really something the Lord really wants to bring out to us, is, is that, we, that humility is something that really is something we're not finished with. Brokenness is something we're not finished with. And that's the person, the people that God really wants to use. God wants to use the broken people. He wants to use the people who are willing to humble themselves and become servants. And that's, a, that's an offensive message. Now, it sounds nice sitting right here, but it's offensive when, you, when God brings it to you. Okay? He, he, offend, he will offend you with that message. Because when, what the Lord sees as a servant is an offensive thing. Like, Lord, I ain't got time for that. I'm too, you know, I'm, in, I'm too important, Lord, preparing my message to go do this. And, he's, and, and you see what I'm saying? It's like you miss the Lord. And I think a lot of us are missing God. See, that's the standard I'm talking about. God has a different standard. God has a different standard. We think what we're doing is real important. We're serving God. We're doing what God's called us to do, blah, blah, blah. And it's too important for us to, and, you know, to stop and... and you know, for her, what she shared, she stopped on the side of the road and picked up a girl that was ate up with lice and scabies and dying. You know, well, we got 7,000 churches we need to be taking care of. Lord, I ain't got time to mess with this girl that's dying. And besides, I don't want to get lice and scabies. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's a different standard. 
And, and the Lord is asking the church to get a different standard. That's just a, a, another way of looking at it. But here's what the Lord's showing me. On, are y'all with me? Here's what the Lord's showing me. is Look, this is how you need to judge. This is how you need to see. There's signs of the kingdom. There's outward signs of the kingdom of God. So it's one thing to preach it. It's one thing to sit in church and hear it. Let's look at James 1, 22. Uh, let's, uh, it says, be, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So I want to say right now, is let's, let's not deceive ourselves, okay? If we come to church and preach it or hear it preached and we're not doing it, we're in deception. So it has been a waste of time in one sense if all we've done is talked about the kingdom of God and not done the kingdom of God. There's something wrong with that. It says that. Go, go to verse 23. And it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Now, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about doing. Okay? It's doing. Doing the kingdom. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this doer of the work. You see what it's saying there? Doer of the work. God's called us to be doers. Now, I'm not talking about works in terms of, of earning anything. I'm talking about works in terms of what God's called us to do on this earth. It is a work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And that's really what God wants to do. He wants to bless us in what we do. There's a doing to be done. And this ain't the doing. You hear what I'm saying to you? Right now is not the doing. This ain't it. This is not the doing for me. Okay? This is not the doing for me. If I went to the Lord and said before the Lord day, well, Lord, I preached, and the Lord said, that ain't what I was talking about, Byron. Were you doing what you were preaching? That's really what I'm interested in. When you walked out the door here, did you do it? That's why I always like to ask married couples this, especially ones that are young married. How's the marriage going? You know? Let me ask the wife. And if she says everything's good, everything's good. If not, I'm going to take her hand and hit the husband. <laughs> because it doesn't do any good to be married and get marital counseling and all that and if you're not applying it and doing it. I take my marriage counseling, the marriage counseling that we do to get married couples ready, I take it pretty seriously. Because <laughs> I spend a lot of time doing it. So I expect people to, you better do this if I'm going to take all my time talking to you. <laughs> you know? So, you got that, Jeremy? Jeremy? Jeremy has a good testimony this morning. Crystal said he was doing good. So, um, so I've, I've listed some things in the, come from the Bible. Signs of the kingdom. Okay? And this, is, and this is what I want to share with you. Signs of the kingdom. In other words, this is things that the Lord really expects from us. To see, you know, all right, in other words, how do we know the Lord if we're doing it? What's the, what does the Bible tell us? Um... The first one is, and I'm not going to give you a bunch of scriptures. I'm just going to list, and I can give you the scripture references you want them. I have them written down here. But is the the first sign of the kingdom is Jesus Himself in the midst of the people of His people. Jesus Himself in the midst of His people, and that pre- a manifested presence of the Lord is what I'm talking about. Okay, a manifested presence of the Lord. And there's joy and peace, creativity, and all those things that are sense of celebration that the Lord wants to release in the midst of His people. So when the two or three gather together or when the church gathers together, there should be a manifest presence of the Lord. And, and really, when there's not, we need to ask ourselves, why isn't the Lord manifesting Himself amongst us? Because that is one of the greatest signs of the kingdom is the Lord Himself being with us. Uh, as you, as, as a believer, you should, have, you should have a sense of God's presence in your life at certain times. Now, like I shared last week, there are seasons we go through where the Lord, where you go through dryness, Okay? But when you look back over your Christian life, if your whole Christian life has been dry and you haven't really experienced God's presence, something's wrong with that. So what I'm saying to you today is that's one of the things we need to be looking for in our life. Is the Lord present? Do we sense the Lord? Do we feel the Lord? I'm saying feel the Lord. I like feeling the Lord. God wants us to feel Him. People felt Jesus. That's what they said. We've touched Him. We've seen Him. We've heard Him. And we need to be able to touch and see and hear the Lord today in a real way. And when that's not happening, something's wrong with the church. We don't need a church that's so concerned about what the people need, what the people want. We need a church, body of Christ. We need to be a people that's concerned about the Lord Himself. What does He want? What does He feel? 
Where's he at? What's he doing? And I think that's the first one. The second one was the preaching of the gospel. And that's why, you know, I feel like I wore everybody out on that. <laughs> that's why I was like, boy, they wore out. They were tired of hearing this as you go for each thing. But unashamedly, unashamedly, that is a sign of the kingdom of God, that the people of God are preaching the kingdom. Again, all four of the gospels end with the Great Commission, a commandment for us to do that. The book of Acts begins with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, be witnesses. The stated purpose, the stated purpose for the Holy Spirit filling you is not speaking in tongues. As wonderful as that is, but that's not the, the stated purpose is to be a witness unto the Lord. That's what the Acts one eight says. So, uh, you know, we need to do that. And one of the things that I felt was really powerful that Bob was saying, uh, he was talking about the army that God wants to bring forth and use. And he said, you know what? The majority of that army is not here yet. They're out there in the bars. They're out there in the malls. They're out there in the streets. They don't know the Lord yet. God has an, an end-time army. He wants to rise up, but they're out there. And I was sharing earlier this morning about going over to the mall at Exit 18 recently and going uh, to the canteen area or whatever they call it, you know, whether it's food court. I think that's the official name of it, canteen. That sounds sort of old. But the food court. and Just think, man, a sense of, man, the Lord... This place is a tragic place or, or a blessed place. It's tragic. This is a setup to murder young people. For the young people to get wiped out here. And also an opportunity for the gospel in this place. The Lord's heart was there. I felt the Lord there. The Lord wanted to reach those people sitting around in there and kids. And, you know, so that's really our heart. Our heart has to be wherever we go. It really has to be that. And if it's really not, then, then see, you see what I'm saying? We're not doers. Hear me. I'm not here to judge you and tell you bad something or be preachy at you. I'm just telling you what the Bible really teaches us. You see what I'm saying? A new standard? Isn't that really the right standard? I mean, isn't it really, I mean am I really telling you the truth? I'm not here trying to slam you. I mean, because I'm, I'm saying I'm in this line and I'm standing before the Lord with it myself. In, in fact, I'm standing with it even with a higher you know, level of accountability because I'm preaching it. You know, it's what the Bible says. If you teach this stuff and you don't do it, you're in double trouble. You're in trouble for not doing it and you're in, double, you're in trouble for teaching it and not doing it. So I'm saying, isn't that really the truth? And we're not doing those basic things if we're not doing it. I'm not saying we're not. But I'm just saying that's a sign. And So we really do need to make the Lord's mission our mission. Luke 4, 18 and 19 is preaching the gospel to the poor, opening prison doors. You know, and I really appreciate this desire to have a, a ministry to, to the prisons. And we, need, we need people who can do music. We need people who can preach. We need people who can pray. We need people who have servant hearts. And eventually we'll actually get to go in there and preach to them and, and to a group like this. And, that won't happen up front. They, they test you, I think, and let you kind of ease into to their ministry. But that's sort of a long-term ministry that we want to do. All right, the third sign, so we've got two signs, okay, is the presence of the Lord, the preaching of the gospel. The third sign is deliverance. Okay, I'm talking, uh, let's put Matthew 12, 28 up there. I think this is powerful. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And I think this is something we've tried to emphasize from time to time, but really demon possession demon influence demon oppression is real condition and it's an evil condition that's upon mankind now I don't believe that demons can possess Christians but I do believe demons oppress Christians and I believe demons influence Christians highly you know watch television if you're being influenced on television you might be influenced by a demon but really what I'm want you to get you know the media has really given us a perverted view of this whole thing of deliverance uh, the movie Exorcist that was popular back in my teenage days that was just as vile and perverse as it can get. I mean, I think it got demons for watching it, you know. It gave a wrong view of, of, of much deliverance. Uh, it gave, a, you know, some hideous things that was happening. And I'm not saying those things cannot actually happen to a person, but I'm saying 98% of the deliverance is not as vi that vile. Now, there is deliverance when you're dealing with somebody who's been in some deep, gross sin where you... There are manifestate, demonic manifestations that are, are, are not pleasant, okay? But typically speaking, in the church, people who get saved, uh, most of their demonic stuff is not that extreme. But God has given every person authority 
to deal with these influences and oppressions that Christians have. And we really need to be doing that. We really need to be doing that. Jesus did that, and we need to ask ourselves a question. I mean, that is an evil that's on people. And we really need to get people free from evil. And a lot of people don't have the confidence to do it, which is understandable, but we really first got to sell our heart, is this a sign of the kingdom of God? Is this something God is asking us to do, just like some of us don't have confidence to preach to strangers, to share the, men, or, you know, the gospel? And really what we've got to do is get over that. We've got to somehow bridge that gap and begin to do those things. Um, so I really encourage you, don't, don't let the media, don't let movies and books and stuff that skew your view of the demonic world. It's not. We have the authority over them. That's what the Bible teaches. We have authority over the demonic realm. They don't have authority over us. And as long as we take the authority in the Lord's name, we can deal with them. Everybody good with that? The fourth sign of the kingdom would be healing and the nature of and nature miracles. Okay, not the nature of, but nature miracles. So really, we believe the Lord still heals today, and really, we is a big part of Jesus' ministry. But I want to again get the get the lights, get the spotlights, and all the glimmer and glamour that's been put on the healing ministry in the church over the years. I want us to forget all that, okay? Because God's not interested in a, in a show. Many times when Jesus would heal people, Jesus would take those people away from the crowds. He didn't like a bunch of commotion going on. You know, he'd take the guy out of town or he'd bring the, you know, father aside where everybody was all in a hoop. He wasn't making a hoop. He was trying to set people free, get them healed. You see what I'm saying? So, but what we've been conditioned, here's a new standard, we've been conditioned that healing something, oh, you know... <laughs> You know, we do like to give testimonies occasionally about healings just to encourage our faith, but it's not to be a dog and pony. It's to encourage us that God is in the business of healing people today. Okay, And many times we see healings and they're not, they're not like some profound thing that happens, like, oh, the fireworks went off. They're natural, but people get healed and get touched. How many people in this room have personally been experienced, have experienced God healing them? Raise your hand. See, a lot of people in this room have experienced a miracle of healing. Sitting right here, somebody praying. I bet you uh, great things didn't happen when you pray for I've had people tell me, you pray for me and the Lord healed me. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> I didn't even feel God when I was praying for it. I was praying in faith. I was just praying, Lord, I'm an instrument. You want to heal? If you heal them, you heal them. I didn't heal them. I didn't feel any, anything in particular. In fact, most of the times when I prayed for healing, I had some feeling nothing happened. It's when I didn't feel anything. And I was just being, you know, doing what the Lord told me to do. And I want to encourage us to do that. And I was shared earlier how, uh, again, about the nature of miracles. Is, you know, the last time Bob came to the SOS, one of his concerns, this was back early on, in the, back in the summer or sometime, I don't remember when, it was in August. Uh, he was concerned about the storms, okay, about the hurricanes. And he said, we really need to pray tonight that the, uh, the Lord would develop a low-pressure system over the southeast United States to stop those storms. And there were several storms that were coming out of the place down there where they come out of that were coming this way that they could have been catastrophe for, for the North Carolina coast. And we prayed that night. A couple of weeks ago, Becky was reading the paper in the Charlotte Observer, and they were talking about, uh, well, we don't really understand why storm. You know, there's this low-pressure has formed and has kept a lot of storms from coming to the, to the U.S. That, sh that were headed this way, but because of this low pressure, they couldn't penetrate them, and they'd spin off and go off somewhere else or just die. Now, does that sound like, oh, you know, the Lord parted the, the Red Sea or the Lord won? No, there's nothing great and wonderful about it. Was it because of just that prayer? I don't know. Maybe there were a hundred other Christians somewhere praying the same thing. But nevertheless, God did some things. God did some things. And what we've got to see is we have a responsibility to do that, and God will do. We may not know it's our prayer, particularly. Uh, Chris Liner shared earlier this morning in the early service when he was at Chapel Hill how he drove by this uh, topless bar every day and began to pray. He prayed for two years that the Lord would shut it down. One day he came by there, and a church had camped out in the parking lot. Next time he came by, the, the place was supposedly closed down for remodeling. It's been closed for, for over two years now. Now, was that just because of Chris Lyon's prayer? I don't know. Who cares? 
you know, but he prayed. John Crowley prayed. Listen to this. John Crowley shared, and, and this was his testimony. There was a, a topless joint, and he prayed, Lord, burn that place down. Okay? His sister-in-law, who knew he was praying that, called him, John, you wouldn't believe what happened in that place. They've got the boy. It burned down. They're pushing the thing off. I mean, the Lord answers those kind of prayers. He burnt the place down. So you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to uh, get the myth out of it, get the glamour out, get it down to, that God's called us to do this stuff. These are, those were signs of the kingdom of God. They don't sound, oh, that's great. But at the time, it was just a guy driving by on the way to school praying. And God did something. You see what I'm saying? We, that's what, really what we need to be doing. That's, that's the standard that God wants us to have. Um, so we believe the Lord wants to heal people, and we believe the Lord wants to do powerful miracles still. Um, so that's what we're going to go after. Y'all good? All right, the fifth one is, uh, of course, is the miracle of conversion and new birth. And that's, you know, when a person is born again, that's a miracle, right? When a person's life completely changes. And that's really one of the things we don't see enough of. We've got to see more of that. If we're going to go out and begin to preach the gospel again, I'm not looking to, you know, oh, is this going to happen in church? In fact, what I'm saying is, well, that would be great if it does. But our goal is, as you go, preach the gospel. And maybe they'll get saved. They may, they may never darken the doors of this church. Never. But who cares? That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, let's preach the gospel. They get saved. If God, God will take care of them from there. I shared an earlier testimony. Um, I'll share it with this next one if I can remember it. Um, and, and that would be the sixth sign is uh, the people of the kingdom. That we're a sign... Okay, now here's how we're assigned. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit. Now see, get a new standard on the fruit of the Spirit. Get a whole new standard on it. Okay, love, peace, joy, and that kind of thing. Get a new standard. The fruit of the Spirit requires action. If you have love, love's a motivator. Okay? And here's the thing. If we... The, the Holy Spirit... Okay, let me put it like this. The Holy Spirit is the greatest and most blessed thing in the kingdom of God. It's the greatest thing that God did for us, okay? It was God's greatest goal for us was to pour the Holy Spirit out on us. All right, so let me just help you with that because if you were like me, I would have said, no, the cross is the greatest thing, okay? When I first began to think in these terms, I would think, no, the cross is the greatest thing God did. And the Lord says, no, the Holy Spirit's the greatest thing I did. Because what would happen if I died for your sins but didn't give you the Holy Spirit? What would happen to you? I mean, you last about 48 seconds before you wanted to you know, cut somebody or you know, whatever you were before you were a believer. Oh, I accepted Christ. Today's my Savior. I'm great. And then your old buddy comes up to you that owes you or you owe him and you're going to kill him. But because you've got the Holy Spirit, you're not. You see, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that we have. Because He connects us to heaven. He brings us back to originally what we were supposed to be. So, here's the, here's the truth. The fruit of the Spirit is not meant just for us. It's meant for the world around us. See, we have a moral responsibility to the world. We really do. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is for. It's, for, it's, it's not only for us to have good character, but it's for us to do something with it. And here's, here's the best example I can give you, and this is, a ba this is the bathroom version, okay? Can you handle a bathroom version? You know what your bowels are, right? Your the you know, in medical science, your bowels move and you have to go to the bathroom, right? I mean, if, if, I gotta, if my bowels are moving, I'm going to the bathroom, right? I can be an important, the most important thing in the world, but if my bowels start moving, I've got to stop what I'm doing and go take care of it. Well, if you study in the Bible compassion, it's to bowels of mercy, bowels of compassion. When, when the Bible talks about Jesus' compassion, he's looking at a person who had compassion, it talks about the bowels. In other words, if we're going to have compassion, there has to be an action that happens. It requires it, just like when your natural bowels move, something's got to go. And so the Lord felt compassion for people, something had to happen. And that's what really the Lord's asking us to do. He wants to release His compassion to us. 
but he doesn't want us to get con- to, you know, constipated and stop it up. And, you know, I've never had that problem, so I don't really understand that problem. I have a great, I'm a regular human being. My bowels are moved quite often, and so I don't worry about it. I can eat anything. I can eat a 10-pound steak, and my bowels would move great. I'm just trying to get you to loosen up. Well, the Lord wants the compassion to move through us. He wants to release that through us. And, and we, we should, we've got to see that we've... He, he's, and, and that's a sign of the kingdom. It's the people of God allowing God to flow through them. Allowing God to move through them. About Burnsville? What was the thing I was saying? Oh, I was, he was asking me what I was saying about Burnsville, where the women's retreat was. There was a, a Baptist guy who went up there and did a tent revival. And he was going to do it for two weeks. And, and it went on for at least six weeks. I'm not sure how long. But literally thousands of people gave their lives to the Lord up there in Burnsville. Thousands. Okay? Thousands of people. Many people were took up there and baptized in the river. And this is just some, you know, just a tent that people were going to. Um, so what I was saying in the first service about the women's retreat, there's an anointing up there in Burnsville. There, God's up there. And because some, they, this was on the Elijah list. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but it was about the revival in North Carolina. Somebody sent it to me. I said, "What revival? What are you talking about? Revival in North Carolina? Where is this revival at?" And they, some, they did some research on it. and It was in Burnsville, Burnsville, Nowhereville, North Carolina. Thousands of people get touched by the Lord. Burnsville, Nowhereville. God was there. God wants to move, man. He really does. That's what He's interested in doing. Um, let me read this Acts. Did I ask you a question? Acts 10, 38. Uh, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Okay? And the Lord's anointed us with the Holy Spirit and power. Who went about doing good. So I want to tell you about doing good. That word doing good in the Greek literally means benevolence. In other words, Jesus just didn't create food. Every once in a while he would, but he just didn't do that. He literally helped people on a practical level. Literally gave food to people. I mean, bought, took money out of the, the pot that they had or, and, gave, and bought people food or, or paid their rent or whatever they needed. That's what, it, that's what doing good means. My testimony about that is this. Is I got a call one day, okay? And some, this guy said, somebody gave me your name that you could help me. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. I don't want to help you. That's my first thought. Is I'm, down, I'm downtown Mooresville, and I need to go to work in Charlotte, and I don't have enough gas to get down there. Will you come over here and buy me some gas? And I said, well, uh, I didn't really want to. So I thought, I don't want to do that. Lord, I'm too busy doing the important stuff. You know, church work. I'm here preparing my message for Sunday, Lord. And this guy wants me to get up and drive down. And flesh is downtown Mooresville. Gas is expensive down there. But I felt for some reason the Lord wanted me to do it. So I get in the car and complain the three, four-minute drive I had to make all the way down to the BP station down there at Mooresville. Pull up. You, you talk to me on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, let's get some gas. Pull your car. So I, I'm going to help him pump it because I'm using a credit car. I pump it in there. He said, oh, no, I need the mid-grade. I mean, that was like insult to energy. I'm thinking, dang, oh, you need the mid-grade? I'm over here helping you. You want to get the cheap gas. I'm serious. So I filled his tank up, and he just went on and on. I wasn't paying attention. I was thinking, this guy, I know something ain't right. You know, this can't be right. But I did it. Okay, well, here's what happened a few weeks later. I was at a pastor's meeting. And one of the pastors said, well, does this guy recently come to my church, recently saved? And his testimony is this. He said, he came to my church looking for somebody else. He was looking for this pastor who came and filled his car up gas one day. And somehow, I'm serious, out of that experience, God saved that man. Do you know who that pastor is? I don't know who he is. <laughs> and the reason I didn't know who he was, because I felt like God was just saying to me, Byron, you don't really understand what happens. And I'm letting you see what can really happen. To you, you whined and complained. You didn't think it was important. But I saved a man over that thing. I saved a man. And see, we don't really understand what God does many times. He doesn't show us. He doesn't, most of the times we're probably not going to know if they got saved or nothing, you know, because I was thinking, because this guy was saying, I wanna, we need to find that guy so we can send him to his church. And I'm thinking, I don't want him to come to church. <laughs> he might want some more gas. <laughs> Let him stay in church, or you give him the gas. 
You know, but the truth is, is the Lord really wants us to do stuff like that. Now, we do have to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I really have a new theology on this. My new theology is this. I don't need the Lord to tell me to do it. I need Him to tell me, don't do it. Now, that's the truth. We see, we've been in this thing where we're led by the Spirit. Well, the Spirit's already been given to us. He's already leading us. We should have the mindset we're going to do, but we're checking with the Holy Spirit constantly. Uh, that we want. He might say, no, don't do that. No, don't get involved in this. This ain't yours. And that's really the heart we need to have. And I'm having to cultivate that because I came from the officer. I was with a Baptist buddy one day eating lunch with him. And see, he's sort of opposite. He said, you know, man, it's just great freedom not to have to witness to somebody. I said, what do you mean? He said, before I had to speak to this person. Now, I'm asking, you know, I don't have to. I'm free, free not to now. See, God wants freedom. You see, we've been, so that was the Baptist world. You've got to witness, man. If you don't, you're in trouble. Well, we're sort of like, well, we're going to witness if we're moved by the Lord, if we feel something special, if God says something unique to us. No. See, we're sort of, they need to be fixed and we need to be fixed. We need to get some of what they were having that they started out that was good. Go for it. Go as you go. But we always need to keep that the Holy Spirit's the leader. And He'll tell us, no, nah, don't mess with them. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> They're going, It's a tar, baby. You don't need it. But I believe the Lord, I believe we miss the Lord a lot on that. Well, the Lord not only did the natural things, the, the you know, helping people on the natural level, He did the supernatural. He healed. He set free. It says He healed all those who are oppressed by the devil, the rest of that verse. So I want to encourage us that we need to be doing that. Okay, that's, that's a sign of the kingdom. This, what I'm doing, is not a sign of the kingdom. Okay? I'm telling you, what, what all I'm doing is communicating and telling the things we need to be doing. Those are the signs. Those, because if we don't do them, we're in trouble. And, and the last one, I'm in good shape, man. The last one, the seventh sign is suffering, which is the most... The last one I got. I'm sure there's bunches more. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a, got all this worked out, uh, but to suffer, to bear suffering courageously, to bear suffering courageously. See, here's what happens to a lot of Christians. Me included. All of us have done this. If you've been a Christian very long, you get into, you start suffering, you start denying the Lord and wondering, you know, what happened? Where's God? You know, you're mad at God. Have anybody ever been mad at God? I mean, if you've been a Christian long, you ain't been mad at God. Something's wrong with you, honestly. I've been so mad at God, I told him, I said, if you would come down here as a man, I would kill you. I mean, I literally told him that. I, I shook my fist and threatened him. said, come down as a man, and I will kill you right now. Well, fortunately, he didn't come down and wipe me off the face of the earth. He was just saying, that boy, he's messed up. He's just a messed up boy. I'm going to have mercy on him. It's, you know, it's like you're, like you're, I remember one time a certain young man in my house, he was about eight years old, he got mad at me and he was swinging at me. I put my hands on his head. And he, he was swinging rapidly at me, but it was like no harm done. He was just beside himself mad. And that's the way I, the Lord, I can imagine the Lord being like that with me. I'm just swinging madly at God and he's sitting there like, okay, <laughs> you'll get over You'll be all right. You'll get through this. But, uh, you know, just... We really, the Lord really wants to teach us how to suffer, and I'm not asking for suffering. But a couple of the great examples, number one was with, with the Crowleys when Drew was about to, about to die. With, you know, could have died easily. Drew was a miracle, y'all. He was a, that's what the, the people said at the, the uh, head trauma unit at Asheville Hospital, is we have about one miracle a year here in this place, and he's it. We saw a miracle happen. You know, he's walking around with a big old chunk of his skull. <laughs> you know, not there. He had dented in, but he's going to get that back pretty soon. But I really was blessed by the Crowleys in, through that because they never, they never were mad at the Lord. They never were condemning God. They were never criticizing God. They, they, they was never saying, woe is me. John cried the first day when I came up there. He said, if I, if I just wouldn't have brought that to him. You know, he brought the parts to him to build this big, huge skateboard that he fell on. I'm thinking, John, it's okay. That's all he was in. If I just wouldn't have done this. He wasn't saying, where's God at? Why is God letting this happen? You know, and, and if you are one of those, where's God? Why did God let it happen? If you're there, well, then the God, God's going to help you. And we saw the Lord as a testimony in them, and they really were a testimony. That was a...
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the miracle continues. It's not going to be six months to a year of walking around with a big, huge soft spot on your side of your head. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was supposed that he'd probably be back in school in January. It was a miracle. It was a genuine. But do we, do we think miracle when we really look at that? It was a miracle. He's a miracle. He's alive. He's a testimony of God's power. Uh, the other one, the other uh, example I wanted to give, which was really a, really hard, was uh, when Sophie Stein died. Uh, or, you know, is, you know, we really prayed and asked the Lord about that baby when she had those heart things going on. And, and you know, we did every prayer we knew to pray. We pulled out the old prayers that we knew God didn't really care about. It didn't seem like there was no anointing. We even pulled the old ones out and tried them and, you know, tried the ever prayer model, tried, you know, tried begging, you know, pleading. And, you know, the Lord took her. Okay, the Lord took the baby and, you know, and then they, uh, I shared this with you one time, probably the profound thing is to see uh, people hold a dead baby and not curse God, but worship God. You know, I mean, that's a testimony when people can do that, when they can hold something that close and that dear to them and not curse God over it, but love God still in the midst of great suffering. Now, those, those are testimonies. That's how, that's a test, that's the, when you say it, you know that's the kingdom of God. That's God. That's not human. That's the Lord. And see, God wants to help us all with that. And I don't want to... I'm not asking to get in a situation to prove it in my life. Forget it. You know, let's, let's don't do that. But let's just ask the Lord, you know, about all these signs. I want us to pursue these signs. I want, us, I want to go back. I want us to be doers. Okay? I want us to be doers of the Word. I want us to get a, a different standard for our life. And let things like this... I'm not saying all this, but things like this to be the standard for our Christianity to be the standard for us personally, to be the standard for our church. Okay? I don't want to have a standard where well, they, the, they have this kind of worship or they have this style of, of, of ministry teams or what, all that. So I don't want that. That's not the standard. These are the standards. It, it's doing these things. Okay? That's really the truth. That's the standard God wants to, to release. I love what Heidi Baker said. She said, I could stand up here tonight and tell you about the 7,000 churches that God has started in eight years, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the one person. I want to talk about the little girl on the side of the road. And that, to me, is why they have 7,000 churches. It's because when they see the one person on the side of the road, they stop what they're doing, their important work, and they go and pick up that one person. And see, that's the standard. We need to stop all this other important stuff when we're supposed to stop it and, and grab a hold of the one. Grab a hold of the person. Go hang around with the guys who are not popular. Go hang around with the people that Jesus would hang around with. That's really what the gospel is all about, and that's what our new standard should be. Actually, it's supposed to be the standard the whole time. We sort of forgot it. Uh, the old. Well, this is one thing that Arthur, I thought was great. This is, uh, if you're committed to the fire... Okay, you cannot negotiate with the flames. Okay, and that's the truth. You can't. Flames are non-negotiable, you know. And really, if we're going to be committed to being kingdom people, there is there's a lot of this is non-negotiable. All right, that that's that's important. All right, the other one was this: don't desert your dessert. Okay, draw till you strike oil; it will be fuel for your revolution. And see, we have to keep going after this thing. Keep seeking the kingdom shamelessly, shamelessly, shamelessly. We've got to. Because we will strike oil and it will fuel the revolution that God's given us. Because I believe the Lord, I, I'm convinced the Lord wants to do something. I'm convinced God wants to move. I'm convinced of it. And I want to, when it happens, I just want to be, well, I just happen to be in the right place. I'll end and share my, my dream, okay? This is my surfing dream. I had a long time ago. And this is what the dream was. I went to California. I've shared this before. Probably half of you weren't here. I, I went to California. I was out there on the California beaches with all the surfer boys. I mean, these were the blonde-headed, tan, good-looking fellows that knew how to surf and surf well. 
So I was out there, and I'm going to try to surf. So I'm not much of a surfer in this dream, like I'm not in the natural. But I got on this, I got this surfboard, and I got out there in the ocean. And I was just sort of out there, hanging on the side of my surfboard, paddling around. And a wave came. I saw it, and it was the biggest wave in the world. I mean, it was so big, it made everything dark. Because no sun could shine, nothing. I mean, it was coming, and I just sort of did what I knew to do. I just whipped around, you know, in the dream. I got up on the board and whipped around and got ready for the wave to hit. And guess what? I was the only person to ride that wave. I saw all these great surfers wiping out all these beautiful guys, cute guys, blonde-headed people. They were just, these were the professional surfers. And when I came in, I, the television was there. They were running towards How did you do this? How did you do this? And I was sort of like, I said, uh, I was just in the water. That's what I said to him. I don't know how I did it. I was just out there. And the Lord woke me up and said, just get out there, Byron. That's all you've got to do. And when the wave hits, you'll be ready. I said, you'll just get out there in the water. And I believe that's what the Lord's saying to us. Get out there. Begin to make these things like, we're going to do this, Lord. And one day, we're going to pray for somebody, and something's going to happen that's going to go off the, off the charts. And we're going to say, how dare I? I don't know. I, I was just doing what the Lord told me to do. I don't know. I just went over there. I complained the whole way, and the guy got saved. Lord, I didn't want to mess with the guy, really. You see what I'm saying? That's how God wants us to be. That's our new standard in more, whatever the rest of it means. So I want to just make a prayer this morning, a simple prayer. And, and then I wanted to make an opportunity because I believe the Lord says this. You know, you can't talk about stuff and not give opportunity. You can't talk about healing and not ask people, do anybody need to be healed? <laughs> you know? Anybody need the Lord to help them? So, Lord, first we want to get in alignment with what you're doing today. And we thank you, Lord, for the, for the past moves of God and for uh, all that. But, Lord, we want your standard. That's what we're saying. So I ask you to come, Holy Spirit. And that's what we're asking. We're asking you to come right now, and we're asking you to come in our lives in a fresh way. We're asking you to come and touch us new. And, Lord, we're saying to you today, and we say it with fear and tremble, Lord, we will change everything for you. Lord, we will put our agenda down for you. We will, we will change it all for you, Lord. Lord, we want you to come. That's what we're asking for. And so, Lord, we, ask, we welcome you. And, Lord, I pray that even though we may get offended at you, I pray you'd forgive us for, before we ever even step into offense. Keep us out of it, Lord. Somehow help us to see it's you, Lord. Somehow help us to find you in the little things and in the big things, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord. Uh, Lord. We don't want to miss you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So does anybody here feel like, number one, does anybody here need healing this morning? Raise your hand. 